Well, good to see you here. Thank you, Pastor Rogers. And yes, we're here um, now. We're serving in Worcester, England, and um, that has been quite an adventure. We're uh, part of a church planting team network that's over there, and um, and we're uh, planting churches in these council estates. It's like government housing. Lots and lots of people, and they need the Lord, and there's a sense of just bleakness and brokenness and helplessness in a lot of these places, and um, it's just been a really great um, time. We've been there for five months now, and we really appreciate your prayers. I know so many of you have emailed us or gone through my mom and um, uh, said, how can we be praying? Did they sell their house yet? We finally sold that house, by the way, in Pennsylvania, so we thank the Lord. And um, just we've really seen the God, seen the Lord work in so many ways. So we just want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts for your prayers and for your continued prayers just as we're over there. It's a lot like Texas, England. No, it's not. It's completely different. <laughs> but you know, when you're with the believers, there's a sense of home wherever you go in this world. And, um, uh, and it's family. And we thank the Lord for that. And um, so... Uh, I just want to thank you, and it's such a privilege to be able to open up the Word of God, isn't it? And to worship the Lord and to look into His Word. So I'd just like to ask God to bless this time. Uh, Father in heaven, we just come before you here this morning, and we do want to thank you. Uh, Lord, we look back on this year, uh, 2018, and as we look back on it, there have been challenges, there have been good times, there have been struggles, but Lord, you have been faithful all the way. And we want to thank you for it. And as we look forward to this next year, we know that you will go before us. And you will um, uh, provide and do what only you can do. And so we thank you so much. Please be with us this morning. Just as we look into your word, I pray that you'll help me to get out of the way. And I just pray that your word would speak to every heart here. And... Um, and that we'd leave this place unaffected because you're the same God that um, spoke to Isaiah where we just read here earlier. You're the, and you want to intervene and do wonderful things in our lives. So we thank you and we'll ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I talk about God using us because one of my, I've heard Pastor Roger say this and another one of my mentors says that uh, the, the top pinnacle experience in this life on planet earth is to be used by almighty God to accomplish his purpose for his glory nothing's better nothing is more worthy of your life than being used by God and so as we look I was sort of praying about what to uh to look at today and I'm just thinking naturally about the new year I always love the Sunday between Christmas and New Year's and um, I feel really honored to be able to preach today. But I want to think how, I want to think about God using me and using you this next year in 2019 in this world. It's a messed up world, isn't it, that we're in right now? <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, we don't know what we're going to see. I, I almost feel like nothing on the news would surprise me anymore <laughs> when you turn it on. But how will God use me and use you in a critical time? such as this, because these are very challenging times. 
And what happens, or what can happen, among a lot of Christians is we, instead of being lights that shine in this dark world, we kind of join into the fray sometimes, if we're honest. And we sometimes, believers, we don't, we're not very proud of this, but sometimes we can become part of the problem, and we just get down in the mud, and we, and and, and, and or and we get angry, and we're just we yield to the flesh, and all of that stuff, get hateful or cynical, or we take these politically correct positions that fly in the face of the Bible, rather than following the Bible, being filled with God, and doing what God wants you and I to do. I mean. That's good for us to re- remind ourselves we're weak apart from God. And we, we go toward the flesh and we get down in the fray. And so I would like us, and I appreciate Ed did such a great job at reading the Word of God. We're going to look at it again. I'm just going to kind of walk through Isaiah 6 because I think that the Lord really has something that's going to help us this morning. I'm talking about every person in this room. And so as we look... we're so we're going to be talking in part about God fulfilling his calling in our lives in times that are not easy. Because the Bible says we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. That's why we're here, one of the big reasons why we're here. So um, we're going to look in this instance in the Old Testament when King Uzziah died. So let's look here again, Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1, Isaiah speaking. He's saying, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, or high and lifted up, seated on a throne. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Just think of that. Think of this vision as I'm reading this. And above him were seraphim. And seraphim, those we sang holy, holy, holy this morning. Seraphim are those angelic beings that are mentioned in the Bible. And he said, so each of these seraphim had six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet. And with two they were flying. I think that's interesting because if you read about this, the presence of God was so awesome. And the, the splendor of his holiness was so great that even these seraphim, these angelic beings, with their wings, they used two of them to fly, but with other ones, they, they cover their face and other parts of their body as if just in awe of in reverence of God. They, they just couldn't take in the immediate splendor of God's glory. Isn't that awesome? What an awesome God we serve. And so, verse 3, and they were calling out to one another. We sang it this morning. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. And at the sound of their voices, the doorpost and the threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. The temple in this heavenly vision that Isaiah had. And then look at verse 5. Woe, is me. Isaiah cried. I am ruined or I am undone for I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord 
Almighty. And what's interesting to me about this verse, won't spend a lot of time on it, is notice the first thing that Isaiah felt unclean about as he encountered Almighty God, what was coming out of his mouth. I'm a man of unclean lips. I just convicted him right away. And he said, and I live among a people of unclean lips. That's interesting to me as I read it. And then in verse 6, it goes on to say, one of the seraphim, Isaiah says, flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from this heavenly altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away from you. Your sin is atoned for. And then finally in verse 8, then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Oh, here am I. Send me. Praise God. This is a very significant passage of Scripture, and I've heard Pastor Rogers preach much better sermon from it. But um, it's from the Old Testament. And in one way or another, this, what you... What's laid out here is repeated in different ways throughout the uh, New Testament. When God calls people to work for Him and to do something for Him during critical times, you see the process that we're going to look at here this morning. If you study church history, you're going to find this spiritual pattern repeated over and over and over again throughout the Bible and throughout uh, church history and it starts off with in the year that king Uzziah died and so here this would have been an unsettling time of transition okay that uh, Isaiah is talking about here king Uzziah was generally one of the better kings he made some mistakes at the end but he was a well-loved he was a liked king uh, in the southern kingdom of Judah after the kingdom of Israel had been divided between the north and the south And when a king died, that would have been a really big deal. Uh, um, That means major changes are going to happen, and we don't really know which way they're going to go. Um, And especially when there was a good king like Uzziah, who ruled for the most part well, and the people loved. So now everyone's thinking, now what's going to happen, right? Because they all knew from the past that they could have some new king come along and he looks real good on the outside like King Saul or somebody like that. And he looks great, but you never know what you're going to get, how it's all going to play out, who he really is. Um, So that sort of thing would bring a natural fear to everybody in the kingdom. Because big change is about to come. Unsettling, vulnerable. But here it says that in that same year that King Uzziah died, God helped Isaiah to see another king, right? The king of kings. And so he says in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. Can I remind us all of something this morning? Something that's very important that God wants us to remember or to know if you don't know it? is that while things on this earth are uncertain and even crazy at times, that there is a throne that is never shaken one inch. 
That's in heaven. And we can praise God together for that, can't we? That God is on His throne. And so now, Isaiah, he, um, God gave Isaiah this remarkable vision that just it enabled him to be lifted up beyond any of the situations that were going on. There's going to be a new king. All of that. All of the uncertainty. And he was lifted up above all of that and he received a, an eternal perspective. And he was reminded of the reality that God Almighty is ruling and reigning in heaven and that God's going to have the last word. You know, we don't understand everything that God permits. Anybody here understand everything about everything? If you do, good for you. I don't. (laughs) But we do know this, that God sits on His throne and that God Almighty will have, and He's sovereign. And he will have the final word in everything, in all of history, no matter how messed up or uncertain things look right now. And so I want us to notice here, in order to be prepared for what God wanted Isaiah to do, uh, do you know what Isaiah did? He did not, he didn't merely study some book about God or something like that, as important as those things are. He didn't just get a theological position and get real excited about that. No, as as important as theology and doctrine are, he, he didn't just do that. He didn't have a bunch of committee meetings and sit around and talk and figure. No, 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 he didn't. Isaiah experienced God himself. Not just something about him. He and, and I make that distinction because there is a difference. It's important to know about God and to read. That's the most. That's such an important thing. But I read years ago. I'm not bragging, but I read all of these books about is that biography of Lincoln by Carl Sandburg, and they had the Prairie Years, the War Years, all of that Civil War, all of that. But if Lincoln were alive, he wouldn't know who I was even though I know maybe a lot, or I used to know a lot about him. You know, there's, a difference. there's something about experiencing God, that relationship, that encounter that you have that goes both ways. And this is the pattern that you see over and over and over again. You saw it with Abraham. You saw it with Moses and David and all the prophets like Isaiah and Peter and Paul. And by the way, every person that God's ever used significantly to represent him up until this point. You see this same thing that we're going to look at. Every time that God thrusts somebody out there to represent him and use them for his glory, they all have this encounter with God. A fresh encounter. Not just something that happened years ago and you're kind of always looking back at that but something new that comes from God. And if you're taking notes today, uh, I have it written in this certain way, but you could say God touches you first. God touches you. You have a new, fresh experience of Him because Isaiah here, he he knew the Lord. He'd been walking with the Lord. He'd been following God. But here, in the year that King Uzziah died, He got something else. He got something new from God, a new experience from God. And likewise, I believe 
according to the Word of God, you and I have to have new experiences with God because you can't live off what God did last week, right? (laughs) I can't live off of what He did last month or 10 years ago or whatever. You know, I have to have something from Him today if I want to have any kind of victory in my life. We thank God for all the old stuff and the victories and everything He brought us through in 2018, but it's the past, right? Paul said in Philippians, I, I... letting go of things that are behind. I I move forward. Don't ever think that yesterday's Christianity is going to be the main thing that gets you through today. No, it's Almighty God. It's us walking with the Lord and experiencing His grace and His goodness and His Spirit. That's what's going to get me through the uncertainty of what's going on today. And so Isaiah had to experience God, the awesomeness of God. Not just learn about Him. He had to experience Him and commune with Him and have that real element of that relationship with God. You know, one of the problems, I believe, in a lot of Christianity today, especially in the Western Hemisphere, is it it overdoes it sometimes on anti-supernatural, anti-experience. It's almost like there's a current running through it because they've looked at certain sections of Christianity where there is an excess and then they reacted too strongly. My friends, we can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. <laughs> he is the same God today that he was in Isaiah's day, that he was when Christ resurrected himself. He's the same God. He hadn't gotten less powerful over the years. Can I get an amen? amen. He hasn't. And you and I, through the Holy Spirit, we can experience Him. The true and living God. We can have new, fresh encounters with Him in prayer. As we go to the Word, it won't just be a bunch of words on a page. It's the Word that the Holy Spirit gave men throughout the ages. And it's the only book in the world where the author helps you as you're reading it. Helps, helps it make sense. And the words just jump off the page. And so Isaiah had an experience with God. In this case, it was a vision from God. And it brought to him the revelation just of the awesomeness of God. And it affected him. It changed him. I often uh, like to pray that when I go into the Word. God, I don't want to leave this room unaffected. Just re- reading it and just... Okay, well, I'll do my best. No, I want to be changed by you, God. What if we all did that today, at some point today? Um, Thinking about the new year, thinking about your life. We just got alone with the Lord and said, God, come. I'm not leaving this room (laughs) until I receive something from you. Maybe we need to confess something like, God... I have this in my life. There's a sinful thing I've been tolerating in my life. Or there's, I've just let every, my life fill up with distractions. I'm on this phone all the time, checking everything about everything, and I'm not checking in with you. God, forgive me. I'm coming back, and it's going to change. But I'm asking you to come. I'm surrendering to your spirit. 
What would happen? I mean, wouldn't God honor that if we were to ask Him that today? What's He going to say? Oh, no, I don't want you. I'm fine with the way it is. Let's just keep it on the surface. No way. He longs for us. You ever think of that? God longs for you and for me. The Bible says draw near to God and He will draw near to you. Now, we have to humble ourselves and we need to ask Him. At any age, oh, I always try to encourage, um, Amy and I try to encourage each other and other parents and teachers. And I've said this here before, I think, but, um, oh, when we teach these kids in there, we're not just marking time or babysitting. That's an important thing. I remember a time in my life, if I could share this, because it was in this church, and um, uh, and I don't want to embarrass her, but it was L.V. Spurley. And boy, she was just such a great, and she still is, I'm sure, uh, Bible teacher. And it was like a mini revival was going on in there with the kids. And I was like seven or eight. And she just made the Bible come alive. We couldn't wait to get there. And I remember there was, it was this time in my life where it was just close with the Lord. And I was, and you know, the Bible says don't let anyone despise your youth. You know, kids can walk close to God. But I just had this memory come to me um, recently of I had p- music lessons with Mrs. Walmack over there on uh, Fox Avenue. And here I'm, uh, I had to walk back. My mom was here cleaning the church. It was in the middle of the summer, and I was about eight years old. And so I'm walking back, and you won't believe this, but I asked my mom about it last night. She definitely remembered. A teenager just came from out of nowhere and stopped me on the sidewalk right along this road. And um, he said... Where, where do you think you're going? And um, I just kind of a little bit petrified and scared. And I said, oh, I'm going to go meet my mom. He says, no, you're not. He said, and he said, all this stuff he's going to do to me. Hold me hostage. And um, all this, and he was a part of a gang. He, he wasn't a part of any gang, but I thought he was. And, um, and he's going to torture me and then kill me. And then, um, and I was just standing there. But then I thought, I'm just going to pray just in my heart and I and I just said God please help me and I I knew he would and all he was now that I look back was just some dumb kid but um <laughs> but at the moment yeah I saw eight years of peanut butter sandwiches flash before my eyes you know and um and I but but then God gave me this peace and I'm standing there and here comes my mom driving down the road and she pulled over she saw what was going on she hopped out and um, started chewing that kid out and I started feeling sorry for him I was like man mom I said, he's just going to torture me and then kill me he's <laughs> up but um, but here Isaiah he has this amazing view of God even the angelic beings who had never sinned they have to cover their faces. They just can't take in how awesome and how holy that God is so pure. He's so over, He's so overwhelmed the temple in this heavenly vision that we can't even imagine. 
But the point here is that we have to meet God in a real way or it can just turn into the spirit of religion. It could just turn into just same old, same old kind of a deal. And But experiencing God has been... The, it has been the history of God working through His church that unless you and I are receiving from Him and walking with Him, everything else just kind of falls flat, right? And it's powerless and there's no unction, right? There's no anointing to the thing. Now, we have to be experiencing God and when we're doing that, when we go out and talk to people about the Lord, when we share the gospel, number one, we'll want to do that. We'll have this desire to tell people about Christ. And when we do do it, there's a power to it. There's an uh, there's a anointing in it. It's not just some training that I received. And again, that all has its place. But there's something beyond that. There's, there's a freshness and a power to it. In Acts chapter 4, Peter and John are hauled before the Sanhedrin, if you remember that. And Peter preaches to everybody. And it says that the Sanhedrin, the officials, everybody was amazed because they knew they were just unschooled, ordinary men. But they said they took note because they had they could tell that they had been with Jesus. Oh, I wonder, I asked that about myself. We could ask that just as we move into this new year. When I'm around the world, when I'm out there, can people tell that I've been with the Lord Jesus? It, can it be that evident? just in my life. But here's something else as we continue. After Isaiah had this awesome experience of God, he goes down in the dust. And the first thing he says here is what? He says, woe is me. Because when you and I experience the presence of God, you know, you might think you're looking pretty good beforehand and we're pretty cute and we got it all together and all that. But when you get alone and when I get alone with Almighty God and you begin to experience His holiness and His greatness and His purity, you're not strutting around town anymore. You lose your swag as my kids would say, in a second. And the next thing you know, you're saying, oh, no, woe is me. I'm ruined. I'm totally falling apart compared to the holiness of this God I serve. And so that's the second one. Number one, God touches me, then God humbles me. Number two, and that's what happens when we see him for who he is. For, for God, I believe, to use somebody in the way that he wants to use us, they have to sense their own brokenness. And by the way, in terms thinking about serving people and our, the calling that God has on our lives, you can't minister to messed up people effectively until you see yourself as messed up apart from Christ. Without God's help, without, um, without encountering God and being with the Lord, we all become self-righteous. 
and we get critical and judgmental and we start looking down our noses at other people. But, you know, when you're close to the Lord and you're experiencing Him and receiving from Him, oh, how that changes everything. You get real tender with other people. It doesn't matter who those other people are. There have been a couple times in my life, if I can be honest, where I really felt like I was at the end of my rope. And then God came near, and he helped me. But he not only helped me, he helped me with other people. You know, sometimes people, some people, they can just seem like a little devil to you. But then when you're close to God and you're experiencing him, the next thing you know, you start praying for them. And they're not repulsive anymore because you see what you are compared to the majesty of God. And so Isaiah, he had to be, he had to go through this. He had to be broken down and humbled. And so when... um, And so that's the natural thing. We sing holy, holy, holy this morning. And Don and um, Jim and Celeste saying, that wonderful song, that was great. And then, and then Pastor said, you wrote that. That was really great. But he says, I'm tired. Or something like, how long am I going to keep playing these games, Lord? <laughs> because it's all about you and it's all about your glory. And when I behold your glory, there is an accompanying Woe is me. I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. We were getting ready uh, a while back, about a month or so ago in England, and we had some people that were coming over, and we wanted to get the house real nice and cleaning it up and everything. And I was in the living room, and we vacuumed it, and everything was nice, and it looked really great. And Amy did most of it. And then um, <laughs> then I sat down in this chair in the corner, and um, the sun was coming through. And I sat down, and then as I sat down, all these little dust particles, like a mushroom cloud, just came. And there were a million little just floating around. You know how that is? The sun's shining through. And I thought, well, how could that be? You know, we just cleaned the place. So well. well, that's how it is with the sun. You have that ray of sun coming through. You can see things that you couldn't see before. You know, that's what happens when the bright sunshine of God's light is in your life. You start to see things that you've been tolerating. They've just kind of been under the surface. Nobody else knows about them. I don't even really pay that much attention to it because, you know, things are working all right on the outside, so I'll just keep plugging along. But no, when you get close to the Lord, you say, I've got some junk that has got to go. I've got this attitude. I've got this thing in my life that I've been saying it's okay, but it's not okay, and it's been blocking me from my communion with God. And so I'm tired of playing games. No more, no longer will I play the game. I'm going to forsake that and turn back to Him. 
And then all of a sudden you're no longer preoccupied with the speck in somebody else's eye. I'm trying to get the two by four, the log, out of my own eye. And so you sense your own brokenness. You experience God. He touches you. He humbles you. And then there's a third thing that you have to receive. (laughs) He cleanses you. You can write that down for number three. I know this is real basic, but I, th- I always think it's good to go back to the basics when we start a new year. God cleanses me. He purifies me. And here Isaiah is in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, in a supernatural vision where a live coal comes up and touches his lips. But my friends, for us in our day, we have it way better than... Do you realize we have it better than Isaiah better than Moses, better than Abraham, even if you were that person. We, through the Holy Spirit of God and because of Jesus Christ, we're in a much better day because of what Jesus did on the cross for you and for me. You know, you you can't go out and minister to people if you're not sure of your own spiritual condition and if you don't know that the blood of Jesus Christ has cleansed, not just covered but has cleansed you and me of all of our sins. I was watching this thing. Oh, remember those Menendez brothers from years ago? I was watching, they had the 25th, it's been 25 years since they committed that horrible crime. They murdered their parents. I don't know why I watched that thing, but I did. And um, the one brother, Lyle, one of them, was said he's sitting there in prison and he said, I'm atoning. For my sins. You can't atone for your sins. I can't atone for my sins even if I just committed a little bitty one. I could never. The Bible says no man by any means can save his brother for the redemption of his soul is costly that he should give up trying forever. Only Jesus Christ can do that. And you've got to know that God loves you. And you've got to know that He has washed away your sins. And you've got to accept that into your life. As believers, if you're here and you haven't accepted that in a personal way, today, my friend, is your day to receive Jesus Christ into your life. But if you have accepted Christ, you've got to remember, I'm not here trying to pay for sins of the past. Jesus paid it all. I don't have to, I, I can walk free. The Bible says that um, the, um, the one who's been free shall be free indeed. And if your brokenness only leads you to condemnation and it ends there, then that's not going to help anybody. I had a lady for years up in Pennsylvania. She would say um, every week, I kind of knew what she meant, but every single week she said, oh, God... And I guess it was in response to my sermon. She said, oh, God really whacked me over the head with a two-by-four this week. Every year she's getting whacked over the head. I know what she means in a way. But one day after weeks and weeks and months of this, I said, Debbie, does God ever say anything nice to you? Or is he just whacking you over the head with a two-by-four? You know, there's a lot of people that just, they're very aware of their own brokenness. And the enemy, what has happened is the devil has used that to just bring them into condemnation. I'm talking about believers. And they just go through the rest of their life just saying, woe is me, I'll never amount to anything. 
I've got this scar on me, and God, so that means God will never use me, or He'll never, I'll never amount to anything in my life, and they sit on the sidelines. No, my friend, you got to get over that. You got, we come to the Lord and we say, God, I'm a mess. I'm very aware of my brokenness, but thank you for the blood of Jesus Christ, for I have been washed clean. The Bible says if we confess our sins, what? He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we, if you've accepted Christ as your Savior, you're free today. You have been set free. None of those things, all the things, all the, you name them, the lies, the stealing, the foolish fantasies, the whatever, everything that has made Randy Mullins and any of you an enemy of of God has been absorbed on that cross if you put your faith in Jesus Christ. There's an old song. I think it was a Gaithers or somebody. But it said, it says, Blood of Jesus shed for me. Precious blood, my covering. The only view God has of me is through the blood of Jesus. So I have a revelation, I have a new experience with God. And from that I have an encounter with, from that encounter with God comes, woe is me. I'm broken, I'm undone, I'm ruined. I used to think I was so great and so wonderful, but I know that I'm not. I'm a mess and I need God and I need His mercy. And I notice that the people that I minister to, they're just like me. So I'm very careful about how I treat other people. I live in the midst of an unclean people, just like how I was before the Lord changed me. And then from that, God says, you're cleansed. I make all things new. I do it. You don't do it. I gave my son to cleanse you. That's why the Apostle Paul could say things like, I'm the chief of sinners. In me dwells no good thing. But at the same time, he could say, I could do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And then, and I'm going to close here, this is the last thing that um, Isaiah goes through, this very profound spiritual experience with God. And then out of nowhere, God says, well, who will I send? Who will go for me? I just... Reading it, that just seems so strange. Uh, This man, Isaiah, goes through this broken experience. God just proclaims him cleansed. And now God jumps so quickly, it seems, to who can I send? I want you to notice God is so great. He's omnipotent. He has all power. He's omniscient. He knows everything about everything. But then he asks this question, who Whom shall I send? You know, he's asking that question even today. He's asking that here at Louisville Bible Church. Who can I send? That doesn't mean to the other side of the world or to any... Who can I send into the school system? Into Dallas? Into wherever? That's how he works, by the way. God says, I need to find somebody who will speak for me. I've got to find somebody who will share the gospel. 
and who will show love in my name. I've got to find somebody who will represent me in the world. And that's the fourth thing. Well, God touches me. He humbles me. He cleanses me. And then he sends me. My understanding of how some of Christianity works is that a lot of times people try to live out their Christian life um, and also, uh, well, oftentimes it comes down to, well, we want blessings from the Lord. We want him to help us make it through the day and everything like that. But I wonder how many of us get to that place where, we're, where they're able to say, like Isaiah said, Lord, what? You mean you need somebody to go for you? You need somebody that you want to send? Well, I'm here. <laughs> and I saw myself for who I really am apart from you. And I'm completely undone and I'm ruined without you. But then you cleansed me. You purified me. You sent your son to die for me. And well, you know, I might as well go all the way with this. Could you send me? Could you use me? And Isaiah says, oh, here I am. Send me. My answer is yes. Even before I know what you're going to say, the answer is already yes. Because holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The earth is filled with his glory. Let's bow our heads together.